0: last week we talked about choosing our next step and we talked about uh, we only got to one so we talked about three guides or three guardrails I would say three guardrails that God has given us for taking next steps making making sure that we stay moving in the right direction by any chance does anyone remember what the first one was Okay, good. Glad we're doing a review then. (laughs) God's Word, the Bible, is one of the guides that we need to keep us on track or keep us taking the right next steps. And if you uh, have the notes there, that whole first page is about the Bible, and we filled that in on last week. And so I will go back over those notes for anybody who wasn't here in just a minute. But first, I'd like to share a personal story that I think demonstrates, it's from this week, a, a, a story that I think demonstrates why we need God's guides. And so I, I, I think it will help uh, nail down the importance of having God's word as a guide. But I also want to share it with you because you guys are my church family, and I feel like since we're spiritual family, we should share important things that are going on with each other. So I'm going to start this story a ways back, but for the past couple years, I've been putting together some of uh, our family name stuff, the Cantrell Crest and the Cantrell Meaning and Heritage stuff and all that. As a lot of you guys know, I have a brother in prison, right? And so as I was putting that stuff together, I talked to him on the phone and I said, hey, I want to send out a bunch of the stuff I have to you. And about the same time, Carly's mom had gotten me a DNA test. And so I I said, hey, you want me to send out, I'll send out the DNA test stuff. And this is Tuesday. And he goes, we had different dads. So for 48 years, everything I understood, family-wise, heritage-wise, name-wise, all just got knocked out from underneath me and realized everything was a lie. And then as I'm kind of reeling, I feel like I actually, it feels like, not physically, but it felt like I got hit in the face with a frying pan. Like I felt like my whole world had been taken and just flipped upside down. Tons of confusion. Uh, I, I don't know. I would say confusion was the biggest emotion, but all kinds of other emotions. It was having a really hard time, uh, just even really thinking straight. And so, is uh, as I was thinking about that, you know, even my first thought is like, so how do you process? Like, how do I process this? And let me just say, I'm naturally probably—I don't think of myself as emotionally frail, and I think if you know me, you would say I'm not an emotionally frail person um so when i heard this i kind of thought well my typical response to something like this would be like what's the big deal like it doesn't change anything right i don't really feel that way now being in this situation that's usually how i would think i was like so so what's the big deal it doesn't change anything can't you can't change the facts and it's uh i think the biggest confusion in it is I understood things to be one way. It's not like I have this big daddy hole in my heart or anything. Uh, But I was just thrown for a major, major loop. I can't even tell you all the little crossroads and tributaries that my mind went down and has been going down and continues to go down. Uh, So I won't go into all those. But in my first thought, and I'm going to be honest with you here, was like, how does someone process this? And I thought, well, I'll just find out, like, how do you process this? I'll look on my phone, or whatever. <laughs> and I thought, that's stupid. I mean, I immediately I just thought, I thought, how idiotic. Like, really, I'm going to go to Google to handle this? And I thought, I have all kinds of truth on how to process this, process these things. And I have truth that I can stand on that will keep me solid even in the midst of a, a whirlwind and confusion and chaos. And so as I've talked about, you know, how, how, so how do I move forward with this? Uh, what, what does this really mean for me in, in all the details, uh, how I feel or think or all of those things? I, I told myself, like, I'm not going to look at what the Internet says about this stuff. Like, I, I don't really even care. I'm just going to reflect on the things I know from God's word. And so I jotted down a few things that, that, and I've just been kind of, these things have been just cruising through my head on and off all week. And the reality is that my true identity is given to me here. I know my true identity is in Jesus Christ. And that I'm a new man, a new creature, and I am a child of God. Solid, right? I know that where my identity is. It's not in the Cantrell name or the Pasquale or whatever my other name could have been. It's a whole big backstory, too. I'll tell some of you the details if you care to know them. Uh, and even that day when I found out, I called my mom, and I feel like God gave me tons of grace and mercy and kindness for her because God's word tells us to be compassionate towards others when they do knuckleheaded wrong things and I I know my parents love me but think they made some bad decisions but God's word tells me how to handle that when people make bad decisions that affect me in a a big way. I realized that and this was one of my actually one of my first thoughts and I've, I've thought this even for for years beyond before this I have a spiritual family that is solid and no half brothers, no half sisters in here. You guys are full brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And so that's just a, a praise God because and he talks about it in his word over and over about having spiritual family. And so I praise God for the spiritual family. I still have my family, but this is solid. And and you guys have been more of a family to me most of the past decades than my blood family. So I praise God for that. Gonna find out about that in here. Uh, God's word tells me about the father that I am to look up to and whose approval really matters most. And that's my heavenly father, for sure. And and I actually knew that I was a accident before any of this. I knew some of my parents' history. But I also know, according to God's Word, Psalm 139, I am no accident in any way, shape, or form. My life, my life story, in no way an accident, even if I wasn't a planned kid. God's Word also tells me that it's okay to have emotions and to be confused, but that He wants me to go to Him in prayer with those things. And that I have a, a, a throne of grace that I can go before in my time of need or times of difficulty. So I praise God for that. It's it's amazing when we begin to look at the the guide, the guardrails, when your life gets turned upside down, where you're like, so where do I put all this? How do I handle it? How do I move forward? What's my next step? And I'm like, God gave me a perfect example of the things I was talking to you guys about last week. I mean, that I feel like there's not... You could maybe have some ideas or maybe you have... I can think of maybe a couple that would be a close, maybe a tie. But really no bigger deception than that after 48 years. Which, by the way, I asked my mom, I said, were you ever going to tell me? She said, no. So, I love my mom. You guys know my mom. Uh, but in all that fogginess, confusion nuttiness because I have God's word I have stability I have truth I don't have to be empty I don't have to be left wondering and so we know that God's word is a guide for our life when nothing else seems to make sense and we're all going to be taking next steps in one way shape or form in our life this coming week And I just want to reiterate, God's word will keep you on track. And you know what? If you don't do it God's way, if you don't do life God's way, which is in here, I can promise you, your life will derail in one way, shape, or form. Relationships will derail. Internally, you will derail. Uh, There will be a derailing if you don't do life God's way. So... I just want to give a personal testimony, and I appreciate you guys. I'd appreciate your prayers and all that. You know, I also have freedom. I know because God's word doesn't say you can't find your birth dad. I, I can go do that if, if that's what I choose to do. Um, I can be angry. Bible says not to sin in it, but it says be angry, be angry, but don't sin. I don't want to spend time angry. I'm naturally an angry person anyway, so I'll, I've spent enough hours being angry about things in life. Um, but I would appreciate your prayers and and, and I appreciate you listening. And I just know if I had a pastor that was kind of had all that stuff going on, I would want to know that, you know, I'd want to know, I wouldn't want just plastic smile on the face and act like everything's fine. So I want to share that with you. But the bigger thing I want to share is praise God and a testimony for God's goodness and a testimony for God's word. It's not, I'm not sharing this all to make, you know, let's have a 15-minute talk about Rich Cantrell slash whatever it might be, hyphen, whatever. Uh, But the the reality is, I want to say God is good all the time. God gives us stability through his truths. God gives us truth. That can fill us up when we feel empty. So God's word is a good, trustworthy guide that will bear beautiful fruit versus doing it my way. My way would be bitter, write my mom off for a little while, uh, feel empty, feel like a nobody. I actually have a few Some of the guys might be thinking of it. There's a few words that come to my mind even surrounding that. They're not nice church words, so I shouldn't even try and mention them because I don't want you running through bad words right now. But God is good. God is good. God is good. And so, all the time. So thanks again for letting me share that. But the testimony is about God's goodness and the power of God's word to sustain us. And it says... uh, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. More truth from God's word tells me how to handle difficult times. It just amazes me how solid God's word is for our difficulties in life. So with that, I'm going to pray once more. And then we're going to go into the, uh, I'll go. I'll, I'll skim through the notes for you, for the people that want to fill in the note page from uh, the truth about God's word. And then we'll start talking about our next guard or or, uh, guide or guardrail let's pray father I thank you for your son I do thank you for the life that we have because of him I thank you for the family we have because of your son the hope for the future I thank you for loving us for giving us your word father I am especially this week extra extra grateful for your word and the truths that we have in your word and that we get to know you through your word. I pray that as we talk this morning, that the things that we talk about, that the scripture comes alive and that uh, it is alive, that we would allow it to aliven our own hearts, Father. And we pray these things in your son's name, amen. Amen. All right, so I'm just going to kind of go through the first part quickly. It's not going to be very preachy. It's going to be more teachy just so you can get caught up on your notes. If you're taking the notes, to take next steps in the right direction, we need to use God's guides. If you're taking the notes there, I want to move quickly. We're told to walk according to God's word. That's what we talked about last week. Hopefully, since we're talking more about it this week, it'll stick a little better than it did from last week. God's word is a guide we can trust to keep us on the right path. Would you agree with that? It can keep us on the right path, right? Instead of growing bitter, we can be compassionate. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How do we know God's word is trustworthy? There's some bullet points in your notes. We talked a little bit about this uh, last week. And we know because they're of the fulfilled prophecies. We know God's word is trustworthy because of all the fulfilled prophecies. We know that God's word is trustworthy because of the textual accuracy. You know, we talked about having over 5,000 copies of the entire New Testament. And as compared to a lot of other historical documents that uh, there aren't that many. And as new documents are found, there's usually, uh, the the variations are minuscule, really. We talked about archaeology. Points to the trustworthiness of God's Word. We talked about the fact that it has been continued to be attacked for generations, literally thousands of years, it's been attacked. And yet it has stayed and remained solid. It's been attacked but not crushed. And again, I feel like the biggest proof of its trustworthiness is the changed lives. And as we can attest to here, the truth of God's word changes lives. That, so that's some of the ways we know it's trustworthy. Someone came up to me afterwards <clears throat> on Sunday and they said, mentioned, like, hey, thanks for saying those things. Those are the things that I personally struggle with. And I think a lot of times we can get, uh, if we're honest with each other, we can say, why exactly are we buying into all this? Like, there's a lot of ideas out there, a lot of philosophies. And why do we think this has the truth? Well, it is, it's very trustworthy. There's a lot of reasons for us to be able to trust God's word. And we also talked about the fact that when we consider God's word, we need to realize that our next step may need to be a turnaround step. We use the word repentance. So sometimes God's word shows us stuff we don't really want to hear. don't necessarily like kind of grinds our gears a little bit makes us uncomfortable but the reality of that sometimes if, if our life is not jiving with God's word do you think it's God's word that's out of whack or our lives that are out of whack it's probably our lives that are out of whack right so sometimes your next step as you're using God's word as a guide your next step is going to need to be a turnaround step should we do that really gradually and slowly not according to this scripture He says, I thought about my ways and I turned my feet to your testimonies. I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. So sometimes as we consider God's word and we're talking about next steps, some of the next steps, and I think Garrett even uh, referred to this as, as he was praying, some of our next steps, it may be a turnaround step. It may be coming, surrendering something back to God. It may be getting back on track, it may be getting on track for the first time where your life is out of alignment with God's Word. All right. You ready for guardrail or guide number two? Are you sure you're ready for this? All right. Walk in the Spirit. So it's important for us to walk according to God's Word. But it also needs to be, as we walk and we move forward, it also needs, there needs to be a walk in the Spirit. Dr. Rodmacher, some of you know him, but he had a, a quote that said, the Word of God, apart from the Spirit of God, will lead to mechanism or being mechanical. Right? Just going through the motions, doing this, don't do that. It can lead to being a mechanical Christian. And he said, the Spirit of God apart from the Word of God will lead to us becoming fanatical right? And so if we just and we've even seen that where there' uh, you know people under the guise of I just feel the spirit telling me and end up moving towards something that just seems kind of nutty. Another word for fanatical we'll just use the word nutty right? So we do need to walk in the spirit, but it needs to be guided. By God's word. And so, walking in the spirit keeps us on the right path. And walking in the flesh, and we're going to talk a little bit about this. Walking in the flesh leads us away from God. So really there are two paths. There's one that continues its God's way and keeps us on God's path. And there's one that leads us away. When we walk in the spirit, it's going to lead us, continue to lead us in God's ways and in connection with God. The flesh is hostile towards God. It's always going to lead us away from God. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about this, but when we talk about walking in the Spirit, does it seem a little confusing to anybody? Not really? Yeah? It does seem a little confusing, right? It's because it's spiritual. It's not natural. Hopefully we'll be able to clear some of that out as we continue talking, but the reality is, we talk about walking in the Spirit, it can be confusing because it's something spiritual. It's not something natural. In fact, I think that's part of the biggest hindrance or one of the biggest hindrances to us walking in the Spirit is we want to figure out a natural way to do it. We want to do it under our own power. And it's something spiritual. That's one of the things that makes it most difficult. Galatians 5, 16 to 18. I say then, walk in the Spirit... And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things you wish. So, if we're talking about taking next steps, and, you, and it says you do not do the things you wish, how many people in here, it's Sunday morning, it, it, but I think you're all here to hear God's word, you're all here to fellowship with one another. You all want to do what God wants you to do, right? You're here because you want to know what God wants you to do. You want your next step to be what God wants you to do. Well, it says, you do not do the things that you wish. You will not walk in God's ways if you walk according to the flesh. Those desires that God has put in your heart to walk in his ways. Those desires to be obedient. Those desires to quit this and start this. Those desires to be more a light for Jesus Christ these desires we have to become more loving like Jesus Christ will not happen if we walk according to the flesh whatever the next step is maybe God wants you to step into a ministry maybe God wants you to step into forgiving somebody maybe God wants you to step into trusting him with your money maybe God wants you to step into leading your family none of those awesome incredible good life changing things will happen if you walk according to the flesh you know how I know that God's word says it. That's what I'm putting my money on. God's word. God's word says it. You can have all the best intentions in the world if you don't walk by the Spirit and you walk according to your flesh, they will not be fulfilled. Will not happen. Romans 8 5 through 7. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, or fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind or fleshly mind is at enmity or at odds or in opposition to God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be, uh, nor indeed can it be. So again, all I'm trying to help us establish here is, If you want to walk in God's ways, there's a flesh way, and that will not get you walking in God's ways. And there's a spirit way. He doesn't give a third alternative, a hybrid flesh-spirit combo, uh, platter. You know, I want something that's kind of a, a weave me these two together. It's a choice. Flesh or spirit. Here's the big question, right? So how do we do it? How do we walk according to the Spirit? I'm not sure. Just <laughs> um, no, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about this, and, and let me just give a commercial for Wednesday. We're going to talk more about this on Wednesday, so if you're still going like, I, I don't get it. Uh, what I want to do is just maybe give a couple uh, hints or a couple uh, helpful pointers As they say nowadays, a couple pro tips on walking in the Spirit. And so one of the things that we need to do to walk in the Spirit, we need to know and walk in the truth. We need to know and walk in the truth, right? John 16, 13 says, well, before we read this, I'm going to give you another verse also. In Scripture, you can see the Spirit and truth are very often in parallel with one another. They're often referred to in the same sentences. They're they're often matched right up next to each other. Spirit and truth, spirit and truth, spirit and truth, spirit and truth. So if we want a big clue as to what it means to walk in the spirit, one big clue we can take is it means to walk in the truth. It, that makes it a lot more simple right there. It kind of defines it out of this big fogginess of what does it mean to walk in the spirit? And does that just go like, how do I know if this is the spirit or indigestion? Like, I'm not sure what exactly, you know, is this just, uh, you know, my, my mild imagination playing tricks on me? Well, the spirit and truth are always aligned. And so one way, if you want to walk in the spirit, you will walk in truth, which you need to, to know the truth to walk In truth. So it says, however, when he, which by the way, the spirit is not an it, spirit is a he, when he, it's a person of God, he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you the things to come. So he will guide you in all truth. The spirit and truth are united. Another verse, if you want to write this down, would be Ephesians 6, 17. We talk about the armor of God, right? He says, put on salvation as a helmet. And then he says this, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So if the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, has a sword, what's the Holy Spirit's sword? The word of of God truth that's what the spirit is going to use to guide us that's what the spirit is going to use to keep us on the right track is truth so we begin to take out some of the fogginess some of the confusion about what does it mean to walk in the spirit well it means to walk according to the truth and so what does this look like and I'll even give you an example sometimes we see believers that have just been saved they've just come to Christ And man, they are excited. They're on fire. And in fact, they're impacting other people more than some of us who've been saved for years. And you're like, but I know tens more than them. I've sat through so many Bible studies. I can quote Bible verses. I know life principles. I've went to seminars. How is this person having such a big impact? I'll tell you why. Because they're walking in the Spirit. Because they're walking according to the truth they know. Some of them, all they know is, I'm forgiven. And they're walking in the truth that I'm forgiven. This is awesome. I'm clean. God's not mad at me anymore. And that impacts, is that a spiritual walk? Is that walking in the spirit when you see someone living that out? Because that's truth, isn't it? Our sins have been forgiven. So if we want to walk in the spirit, we need to walk... In truth, here's another simple truth. Know that you're the temple of the living God. This building isn't the temple of God. Although it's getting fancier and fancier all the time. And you see that paint job going on out there. Still, God himself has chosen to live inside of us. Walk in that truth. That will have us beginning to walk in the Spirit. So as we begin to walk in the truth, we know. Did I say walk in the feelings? I don't feel forgiven. You don't know what I do. You don't know how people are looking at me. So-and-so is holding it over my head. You want to walk in the Spirit, we need to walk in the truth. It's the only way to walk in the Spirit is by walking in the truth. Know the difference between the flesh and the spirit. Here's another helpful thing because a lot of times we can begin to go, I think I'm walking in the spirit. Oh, that anger? That's righteous anger. Oh, my anxiety? That's righteous anxiety. Oh, my, and we begin to, as we can know what happens, what the spirit produces. And what flesh produces, we can begin to go be like an alarm bell going off in our head. For me, I'll tell you what it is: frustration. I immediately know if I'm frustrated, which I spend—it's convicting because I spend more time frustrated uh, than I ever want to spend frustrated, or probably more than your average person spends frustrated. But that's my alarm bell, and and I don't look at it as a bad thing. But it, it ends up being something that where I kind of feel like God's going like, "Hey." You feel annoyed? You feel frustrated? It's because you're walking in the flesh. Make that right. You don't have to walk around like that. And so as we know what the spirit produces and what the flesh produces, we can begin to walk in the spirit because that alarm bell, it's kind of like someone tapping us and the Holy Spirit tapping us on the shoulder and go, walking in the flesh, natural man. That's natural rich. Remember? The flesh is natural. If you want to, like, flesh sounds so churchy. Carnal sounds so churchy. Really, you know what it is? Self. It's almost the word spelled backwards. Flesh and self, almost spelled backwards. It's the self-life. Right? Self-sufficiency. Self-protection. Right? Right? I mean, you could just go down the the list. Self-condemnation. That's flesh, right? Yeah. Know the difference. Galatians 5, 19 to 23. So if you're like, so how, how would I know the difference between flesh and spirit? Well, let's read some of this. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Adultery. So adultery is being produced in your life, walking in the flesh. Fornication. Walking in the flesh. Uncleanness. Lewdness. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, ooh, there's one maybe we would struggle with. Contentions, yikes. Jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Stuff like that will let you know if you're walking in the flesh. So if we want to walk in the spirit, we need to know the difference and, and begin to go, aha. This is fleshy stuff here. This is carnal stuff. This is natural stuff. This is selfish stuff. We can see what it looks like to walk in the spirit. Uh, It says, but the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. So let me just make a, a, a disclaimer here. What he's not saying is go make yourself be loving. Fruit is produced, right? Fruit is produced on a branch. That's where it is produced. Fruit is produced in us. But branches don't produce fruit. Is it? Scripture says the vine produces the fruit. These things come from God. Love comes from God. The peace comes from God. The joy comes from God. It's not for, oh, I got to be loving. Try that. You'll be more annoyed than anything else. Anybody ever try that? I just need to be calm. I just, just need to calm down. That lasts about 15 seconds for me. Yeah. <laughs> After many years of hard work. 15 seconds. Uh, so so the, the reality is we need to realize that I'm not walking according to truth. And so if you have anxiety instead of peace... You're not walking according to truth, and you can begin to, to pinpoint the truth that you need. If you're walking in anxiety about your finances or about your needs being met or about somebody liking you or not liking you or somebody rejecting you, you have truth to go to, and you go, I'm so anxious. So-and-so doesn't seem to even like me, and I'm not even sure if so-and-so. Well, what truth do I need? I need to walk according to the truth. I've been accepted, right, by the one who it really matters and then you can begin to walk in the spirit as you walk in truth. We'll talk more about this. I could go on and on about this because I feel like this is this is dynamic stuff. This is life-changing stuff and this will help us to take right steps in life. Once you begin to walk in the spirit, walk in the truth that God has, it makes it a lot easier to make next steps and take the steps in our life that are right and we make stupid idiotic decisions when we're walking in the flesh, one because we're being selfish. But two, even if we feel like someone's rejecting us and we're so afraid of that, then we try and scramble to make them like us, or we reject them back, or we do all these crazy things, and it just derails us. But for the sake of time, we'll keep moving on. Be here Wednesday night if you want to follow up on this conversation. Yeah, so, so you have an acronym there for life. This is my personal... Just something I personally, I'm a, I, I need things simple. So this is just an acronym that I've, uh, I actually use it probably nearly every day. Not as much as I should, um, but, it, but it helps me. So the L, <clears throat> this is for what I would say walking in the spirit, walking in peace, would be let go of self-sufficiency. Let go of self-sufficiency. Let go of self-reliance. You know, in the name of, in the phrase of twelve steps, they would say, "Admit you are powerless." If you wanted to look at it that way. Let go of self-sufficiency and self-reliance. Just begin to realize, you don't have what it takes. None of us do. The I is for invite God to lead me. Here be the Holy Spirit. Invite the Holy Spirit to lead me. So, for example. I'm angry. I'm not really angry, but I do get angry. And so in a situation where I'm angry, I can begin to go, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna, and I can have my ideas. Or I'm just gonna quit being angry right now, and I'm just gonna be nice and think, I need to let go of self-sufficiency and go, I can't fix my anger stuff. Tried, (laughs) it doesn't work. If you've gotten older in life, you begin to realize our little tricks and games don't work. And just to let go of that and say it doesn't work. I'm angry, I'm frustrated. I want to let go of my self reliance on this. I can't fix it. Holy Spirit, I I want to be led by you right now. And then that's the F. I'll follow your lead. Whatever he leads me. Maybe I'm just still so annoyed and he's like, I want you to go in there and say sorry to your wife. I want you to go in there and say something like, "Mm, I don't feel like it yet. Follow his lead. Ask him to lead you and then follow it. He doesn't say, Follow your feelings. Follow the lead, his lead. And the last, the E, is for enjoy the moment. And I put that in there because a lot of times I think we can just be going, am I doing what God wants? Am I not doing what God wants? Am I doing what God wants? Am I not doing what God wants? Ask him to lead you. Follow the lead that he's given you. But don't be living all panicky. Go, I'm just going to enjoy it until he gives me something else clear to do. I'm just going to enjoy this moment. I, You know, let my mind go where... where Needs to go, but I'm going to enjoy this moment. We, I think we can get so introspective that it ruins walking in the spirit. Am I doing it? Did I do this? Did I? If you're being super, super introspective, where's your focus? Self. That's flesh. let we go, God, I'm going to follow your lead. He's like, go in there and talk to your wife. Say something nice to her. And I'm like, uh-uh. Right there, as soon as I start the, well, if I do that, then she's going to think that I didn't mean what I said. Or, hey, that's flesh. That's your cue. When you start the big inner argument, that's flesh and spirit. Let that be a cue to you. How many people have internal arguments? <laughs> really make a lot of good justifications and sense as to why you should do this or you don't need to do that. That's flesh and spirit typically arguing. So follow the lead. And if you're like, I don't really have much of a lead, just, just enjoy the moment. Wait for him to give you something specific. It'll be always lined up with truth. All right. The last guide we're going to talk about today is walking in good works. So, walking according to God's word, walking in the spirit, and walking according to good works. So what are good works? Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light so shine before men they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. There's a clue as to what good works are. They're things that are going to make people glorify God. I wrote it like this, and I've mentioned this to you before. Good works are the things we do that give God a good reputation. Does me yelling at somebody on the freeway give God a good reputation? Does me being fretful and anxious about money stuff give God a good reputation? They're like, this guy's a Christian? He's he's more... uh, Wound up about finances than half the people we work with. That doesn't give God a good reputation, does it? Being kind to a disruptive or irritating neighbor, does that give God a good reputation? Yeah. Forgiving somebody that's wronged us, does that give God a good re- good reputation? Those things are good works. We're to walk in good works. We're to choose good works that God's put before us. It's, it's God's plan for all believers we, should, we already know this, right? You don't think that God saved you to not do good works. We say grace, we're saved by grace, right? Grace are the roots. Good works are the fruits. God expects, wants, fruits to be developed in every believer's life. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. God's grace is the roots. Good works are the fruits. Teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. That's his desire. You get saved, he wants you to be living righteously. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Here's part of why he gave himself for us. That he might redeem us from every lawless deeds and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Part of the reason we were redeemed was so that we would be living out good works, things that give God a good reputation, so that we would be lights, as we say, and salt. That's part of his whole plan of saving us. It gives God glory to take these unsavable people and renew them and make them new and make them righteous. And then it continues to glorify him because he was able to do that when those people begin to walk that out and live righteous lives that are producing good works. That's glorifying to God. And so if you have any question about like, what's, what, what should one of my next step be? The stuff that glorifies God. And it might be to quit worrying and to hand over your finances to God. It might be to quit worrying and hand over your ex to, to God. It may be to release your kids to God's power so that you can quit being anxious. It may be, but the next step is something that's going to ultimately bring glory to God. Those are good works. It could also be helping someone change a tire or something, too. I mean, we know good good works. The nice thing is, is we have opportunities to walk in good works every day. If you're kind of like, I'm waiting for the big heavy revy, like big heavy revelation, like what's my next step? Well, that was one of the college terms me and my buddies would say, waiting for a heavy revy. Uh, God gives us next steps every day, right? We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. As you go through your day, you have an opportunity for a good work or kind of go like, eh. walk away from it, severe away from it. Opportunity for a good work, yeah. Or opportunity for a good work, there it is, God prepared this. It came right down the line today for me. There's something I can do to demonstrate God's goodness. So, God's guides for us. Walk according to God's word. Walk in the spirit. Walk in good works. I would say this, just as a question to yourself, to maybe ask, what have I been using as my guide for making decisions in life? What am I using for my guide? Google or God's word? What am I using to make decisions in life? Holy Spirit or my own reasoning? And really the reality of walking in this whole new and righteous God's way is all possible because of Jesus Christ. It's not because we are awesome people in and of ourselves. It's because God took sinful people and has made them holy. And he's given us directions on how to live holy lives. It's all possible because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. That is good news. man. we are people that have a good news message that we don't necessarily need to go thump people on the head with our Bible. But if we will begin to live out this good news, man, we will be a bright, shining beacon of God's goodness and God's love. If we just live it out. Praise God, huh? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son. We do thank you that we have the opportunity to have new life, to have hope. We thank you for the guides that you put in our life. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. Please help us to be mindful of truth and sensitive to him, the Holy Spirit. And Father, we pray that you would also make clear the good works that we have in front of us every day, that you would just make it clear that, This is an opportunity for a good work and that we would say yes. I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for your patience with us. I thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for the righteousness that you've bestowed on us, the holiness that you've given us. We don't deserve it. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.